0: 1 Kings chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, Let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden, since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, and I'll give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat, cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Nahab's name, placed a seal on them, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. In those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting, and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels opposite him, and have them testify that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city did as Jezebel directed in the letters she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast, and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell you. He is no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite Go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I am going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I'll make you a house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Basha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city and the birds of the air will feed on those who die in the country. There was never a man like Ahab, who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols, like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son.
1: The title is When God Says That's Enough. When God Says That's Enough. It may be a painful subject, certainly, it isn't a very popular one today, and yet we have to face up to the fact that God's patience has limits. We might well say His love is infinite, but His patience have limitations, and there's an illustration of that in the life of Ahab and Jezebel. What I'd like you to do is to turn to this proverb for a moment that seems to illustrate and in one verse just crystallize for us what we are saying. You can perhaps listen to it if you don't turn to it. Proverbs 29 and verse 1. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy, without recourse to repentance. A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed Without remedy. And that summarizes for us, if you like, the events here of Naboth's vineyard. It's part of our series in the life of Elijah. Quite simply, to hear of um, a correction, spiritually, morally, or in any way, and to refuse to respond, even though we know what's being said is right and good, then there are consequences that we have to face. There are consequences. And this is a difficult time in the life of Elijah, where values for human relationships are at a premium. And sometimes we can see that in a very vivid way within within the other parts of the world. might even become true for us much closer. Now there are several examples of occasions when God says, that's enough, that's it, it's the end. Uh, And I want us to look at just a couple to illustrate and then give a a, a summary of this event in Naboth's vineyard. First of all, the obvious one uh, in the book of Genesis. You may want to turn to that, Genesis 19. The classic account of um, Abraham, the great intercessor, who prays over the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet finally... The judgment of God comes and in Genesis 19:24, this is what we read. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur and Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And you see the judgment of God on a big scale. And in one person. And it's a classic example. Repeated in, in the New Testament. Of occasions when God has spoken repeatedly. And then finally it's finished. It's finished. Often. There is an echo or a repeat of this sort of thing in the New Testament. And uh, if you turn to Matthew's gospel, Jesus took this very seriously and makes reference to it and applies it to the people of his day. In Matthew 11, Jesus has been speaking and the implication here is that they've seen many miraculous signs. So in Matthew 11, verse 21, and he makes this pronouncement, woe to the unrepentant cities. Then Jesus began, this is verse 20, Matthew 11, began to denounce the cities in which most of the miracles had been performed because they did not repent. They didn't take Jesus seriously. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in Sacrath and Ashes. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you and you, Capernaum. Speaking about cities now, you, Capernaum, will you be lifted high to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it would be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. And yet, even in that, the Lord comes. And this is such such an expression of his grace, even in the hardness of heart there. That in verse 28, come to me all who labor and are burdened and I'll give you rest and so on. So Jesus is just making the point that there is a time when it's enough, it's finished. Perhaps a second example in the life of the church, the church that was almost in a cauldron during a time of persecution and if you turn to um, Acts 12, just to illustrate this, this is the last illustration now, Acts 12 and verse 21. This is a really tough time for the church. You'll see that it was it made um, political expediency uh, for Herod to arrest the leaders. And James, one of the apostles, is put to death with a sword, and now Peter has his impending martyrdom. And great prayer was made by the church. But what we're interested in is the person who, humanly speaking, is in control. Herod. King Herod. Herod Agrippa. And we take up the reading of verse 21. On an appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, so impressive, sat on the throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. And in contrast to that, as often is the case, there's political expediency and God says it's enough. And yet what you have, verse 24, but the word of the Lord continued to increase and spread and there's a new beginning, a new alliance, Barnabas and Saul. And the mission to reach the Gentile world begins with a vengeance. All I'm saying is you can illustrate time and again where events seem to be out of control. And you can't help but feel for families like James where um, persecution has come. And there are many parts of the world tonight where it's harsh and difficult. Where there's a sense of injustice. And yet the word of the Lord continues to grow and increase. Well, for the rest of our time now, so those are the illustrations we are looking at 1 Kings 21. And we're going to move quite uh, quickly through this. Ahab and Jezebel. First of all, it begins, it's the vineyard. And um, I want to use uh, an illustration here, first of all, so that you can try to see that uh, Naboth is not being awkward. There you are in verse 1 Kings 21 verse 1. Sometime later there was an inc- incident involving the vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. Ahab said to Naboth, verse 2, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden since it is close to my palace. In exchange I will give you a better vineyard or if you prefer I will pay whatever you will. No, that seems like a fair comment. It's a good deal. Now, Naboth didn't really have a problem with Ahab personally at this point. But you need to understand perhaps a bit of the culture, or at least the background here, that he says in verse 3 The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. It isn't mine to give. You're asking me something that I can't do. Now, how do we, I don't suppose in the West we appreciate this. And, uh, let me use an illustration. Well, remember in New Zealand uh, when um, we were asking about um, uh, the Maori culture, for instance. And uh, when uh, a European, what they call Pākeis in New Zealand, buys a farm, they hold up the document and they say, There you are, I've got the deeds, this is my farm. But when a Maori buys land or a farm, He will hold up the deeds and he'll say, he won't say, this farm belongs to me. He will say, I belong to the farm. And he has a sense of this sort of ancestral idea. The whole idea that it's handed on from generation to generation. And you can't break the cycle. And there's a sense at which this has been given to me on trust. It's not mine to give. Now Ahab knew that. But he's making his own rules as he goes along. And so the story unfolds from a very simple thing like that, that gets out of control. And when you get to verses 8 to 13, you see that this impasse results in murder. Now, of course, they didn't didn't actually commit the murder directly, Jezebel or Ahab, but certainly caused it. What do you make of this classic and we see it so much today classic character assassination long before the stones are thrown and he is killed you see in verse 13 at the end of it they take him outside the city stoned him to death cold blooded premeditated murder. Because of this unbridled desire of the royal couple. Now you might think at this point, where is God when things like this happen? You know, people ask those things at at certain times when some things are so glaring, so wrong, that even people who are are not even religious in the extreme ask if there's a God, how can this happen? And then verses 14 to 19 you see the response. Jezebel, she's in control. They sent word to Jezebel saying Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And Jezebel said to Ahab, rise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth. And so things settle down and all is well. It's often the way that the word of the Lord seems to spoil things. Everything's okay. But what we are pursuing tonight is simply this. There is a time when God says, that's enough. That's enough. And it isn't obvious to us. We're looking behind the scene a bit here. And so you have the judgment. Elijah finds Ahab sitting there, enjoying a nice glass of wine, life is good, everything's fine, no stress, there it is, Elijah. And so he says, have you found me, my enemy? He cries. And Elijah responds with the passion of a man who knows, who is utterly convinced, yes, you have pulled a fast one, you've got away with it, but it won't last, it will not last. I wonder how much some even some of us might perhaps not be quite sure about that. We look at life and we see the injustice and, and something recoils within us. And we say, well, really, you know, it's not fair. And it isn't. All we can say at this point is it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. What I want us to do now in the next uh, just uh, ten minutes, is to give uh, three personal applications. The the, the story itself is is rather obvious, quite dramatic. Um, But what what are we going to take out of this? Well, number one, the first thing that we need to take is this, that there is an end to God's patience. There is. But no one knows when it will come. You don't know. You don't know. And if that is so, then surely this truth, spiritually, morally, serves for us here tonight as a serious warning to anyone who stubbornly refuses to acknowledge God's Voice of correction. He speaks so clearly here. Now we can see behind the scenes. They couldn't. They're involved. And often we're involved. And we can't see the full picture. And, and, and when God speaks to us. Even in the little things. It is so important. That we acknowledge that. And respond to him. And hear his voice. And do it his way. There is an end to God's patience. And no one knows when it will come. The second lesson for us is this. God always, always keeps his word. And no one can stop it. No one can stop it. God keeps his word. It continues to go on. And no one can stop it. And although God gave Ahab And Jezebel opportunity after opportunity to repent. They abused his mercy and patience. A bit like the process, and sometimes we might struggle with this, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It wasn't an overnight thing. There was a gradual thing that God was speaking to him. And there were twists and turns in his life that he could have turned around and didn't. The last lesson that we have is this. And this is a, it almost seems like an anticlimax And yet, it is so important. And it's this, that God responds to humility. But he resists the proud. James puts it like that, the Apostle James. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself then. Under the mighty hand of God. That in due time he will exalt you. And the sad thing here is this. That although Ahab finally seems to repent in sackcloth and ashes. Yet the truth is as the prophet said later on. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Not the outward repentance. But something that is inner. Something that's the heart. God. Acknowledges humility and he resists the proud. And unfortunately for Ahab and his family, this apparent humble attitude was short lived, and his tendency to provoke the anger of God resulted in the ultimate judgment. We are here, and it's Easter Sunday evening. And when you think of the crucifixion, and when you think from a human perspective, it is a monumental tragedy. And yet there was a time when God said, it's enough. And he rose up Jesus from the dead. And it is in that power of God That we are here tonight. And wherever we look in in God's word. Whenever we think about his providence. And his grace. And his love. Yes there are times he says it's enough. But there are many more times when he says come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. Humble yourself. And I will bless you. And I will make you. To be a blessing. When God says. That's enough today he says I am here to bless you to abundantly pour grace upon grace, now trust me, believe me come to me take my word seriously while you can while you may